And clearly, Jesus tells us to make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It seems to be this front door into the life of discipleship and into the life of the church. And it's a it's an important thing. And being able to, to go back to that moment and to come in, something real and mysterious happened here. Um, I've been joined to Jesus. and He is with me and in me, and I am with him. And we're in relationship. I think baptism is a gift given to us. Um, and so we get lost in these debates sometimes when I think what we need to hear is, man, your baptism is a gift. It is the symbol of being united with Christ in his, his life, death, and resurrection. And we should hold on to that and cherish that. You're listening to The Chopping Block, a weekly podcast from City Life Church where we have short, informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. This last Sunday, our Lao Thai and Chinese and English-speaking congregations gathered to celebrate four joyous baptisms. It was a joy-filled and memorable Sunday. So this week on the podcast, we dove into the meaning of baptism and some of the questions and challenges that it brings up. If you didn't get the chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. Baptism Sunday was this last Sunday. Man, what an awesome morning. Yeah. Listen to those testimonies. It gives me every time, man. Mm-hmm. Just Power- always, yeah. Powerful. So inspiring those Sunday mornings and it was so cool to be able to just fully focus on that. Mm. Um, were you fully focused while you were holding that mic <laughs> above your head? Uh, with not the, in that moment so much <laughs> with the real MVP this morning, Zach music holding up the mic stand for a solid four minutes. Yeah. Um, and so I figured we could just start by sharing our own, um, stories of baptism. I know there's like, a million different stories of baptism. I was baptized twice, which I can talk about, but what was your baptism story like, Annie? Same, <laughs> same. Yep. Uh, you know, raised in a, uh, in a Southern Baptist church. My grandfather was my pastor. Um, early in life, introduced to, to Jesus um, through my church, through my parents. Um, you know, prayed the quote-unquote sinner's prayer. Uh, when I was real young, uh, got baptized, I think when I was six. But subsequent to that, just really, really wrestled for about seven and a half years with just massive doubts about my faith and my salvation. And most of that was tied tied up in just a real mechanical and, I think, emotional understanding of what it means to be saved. I was looking for a feeling when I prayed the sinner's prayer. I didn't have that feeling. And so I thought it was deficient. I didn't think it worked. I didn't think the magic stuck, so to speak. Um, So really wrestled, struggled. um, And it was at a, it was actually at a summer camp when I was 13 Listen to this guy uh, share his testimony. Uh, his name was, was Ike, 
And um, Ike shared his story. Man, it was my story. And he went on to just talk about just assurance, how we can be secure in the finished work of Jesus, that, that he has done everything, and it's by simple faith. And it really helped me decouple uh, salvation from an experience or an emotion. And he really, the, the Spirit used him to really help me understand faith alone, in Christ alone. You know, the irony is the emotions immediately came, like the Spirit just broke into my heart. And, um, and I, I wept, but I wept because I think for the first time the gospel erupted in my heart. And so that was when I believe, um, I truly came to a a saving knowledge of, of Jesus. And so I made the decision that I wanted to be baptized, believing that that was my actual conversion. Um, and so uh, my grandfather baptized me when I was 13. Um, so Circle Drive Baptist Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado is where I was baptized. It's mm. awesome. Yeah, I had a similar experience. Grew up in Baptist or evangelical churches, and I think I was probably seven or eight, something like that. And I don't re- I remember kind of like, I don't really remember my baptism, I remember watching the, like, camcorder, th- like, you know, tape of it whenever we break out all the all the old home videos or whatever. Right. But I don't think I actually remember the moment itself. But I do remember kind of when my parents started talking to me and my brother about it. And I'm sure they explained it well to us. But I don't think I had, I don't think I understood any of it. I think it just felt like the thing that I was supposed to do now is you go in big church and you know, whenever we would go in big church with my parents, we would see like other kids getting baptized. And so it seemed like just the thing that, that we were supposed to do next. And it was meaningful and significant. I think especially it was meaningful and significant for my parents. And I wouldn't like take that away just because I, I, you know, from them, I think it was, or from me as a kid, I think it was still had meaning Yep, and that's something we'll probably get into later is just, you know, acknowledging that there's a mystery to baptism Mm. and the significance of it isn't something we can necessarily limit to sort of an intellectual understanding of it all the time, even though that obviously that's important as well. But um, when I was 15, I went on a mission trip to, um, to Haiti, um, and it was a very uh, life-changing experience for me, like in many, many ways, um, very emotional experience. Um, and I, I came to the last day in the trip, and there was like lots of people being baptized in the ocean. On the last day of our trip, we like went to a beach, and um, like I felt this sense of like maybe I should do it but I was already baptized and I don't know if I you know like right, I didn't right, know right. about the theology of that or anything but like I just felt a very clear sense and so I was just like person after person went and I kept saying me and they were saying like does anybody else want to be baptized today and like the leaders of of the trip and I remember thinking every time like I, sh- I should say it and then thinking, no, 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 no and then 
like finally no one else, there was no one else at the end. And I, I said, I wanted to be baptized and, you know, they gave me the chance just to talk a little bit about why or whatever. And I just, I could barely even talk cause I was just choked up from thinking about the whole trip. And that was the last day there. And then the rest of that day and even the next day as we got on a bus and went to the airport and stuff, I couldn't talk cause I was just so like caught up in emotion I, you know, I don't really know how to describe the whole experience of that trip other than, um, other than experiencing the presence of God in, in a way I hadn't before. Yep. Um, and, um, just having this encounter with God completely opened me up and, um, changed me. Um, and life happened after that in a lot of ways. And I went through many years, even up till fairly recently without thinking much about my baptism other than just thinking about it in context of that trip, this life changing trip, you know? Um, but I didn't, I think I didn't give it significance beyond just being a part of that trip until really recently, like last year, I, I was reading this novel by Marilyn Robinson called Lila that baptism plays a huge part in that novel. Um, and it has, and you know, the character, the main character, Lila, who gets baptized, she's kind of skeptical of it. She's kind of superstitious about it. She thinks it just, just seems like this strange thing. She's, she's very unfamiliar with faith and she's lived a hard life and she's skeptical of like, what she sees is the uppity people who go to church and mm-hmm. um, she unexpectedly encounters the gospel and, and gets baptized. And it's, um, it's not this big emotional experience that she expects it to be. And then a few days later she goes out at night to the river where she was baptized and tries to wash her baptism off. Mm. And, um, Later, the pastor who baptized her uh, says, kind of shrugs his shoulders in a way that's reassuring, but also kind of like, you can't wash off baptism, is what he said. And that line just like hit me. And I thought about my baptism for the first time since it happened. And the idea that there was something mysterious and beyond me and that that my baptism actually wasn't just this intellectual decision that I made in my mind. Like it actually was something that had power in my life. Yeah. And I like broke down thinking like it, when I got baptized, I even wrote this, uh, just thinking about baptism Sunday in my journal. When I got baptized, it either meant everything or it meant nothing. Yeah. And it yep. didn't mean nothing. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> and, Amen. um, yeah, so I really like just understanding that mysterious, powerful, beyond me yep. sense of what baptism is. Um, it's good, man. Yeah, one of the things we were I was trying to hit on yesterday was just that, you know, to remember your baptism. Because, you know, it's not just us making a public profession of faith in Jesus. It's, it's, it's Jesus being united with us and you know you can't wash that off he's with us he's he's in union with us and uh, most days 
you know, he holds me or, or all, every day he holds me. But, you know, there are a lot of days where I'm doing a poor job of holding on to him. He, he's always holding me. And I think baptism becomes such a beautiful picture of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's beautiful, man. So with that mystery, there comes kind of a lot of confusion around baptism too. Yes. Obviously there's lots of like denominational divides when it comes to baptism. It can even be confusing when we read about baptism scripture. Sometimes, um, sometimes it does appear more like this symbol, which I know in our tradition is how we've more understood it. Sometimes it seems like it's saying that baptism itself saves you, which of course there are other traditions that really lean into that. Um, how do we understand baptism from scripture and how do we approach it theologically? That's a loaded question. Um, yeah, people have literally gotten killed over this issue, um, in church history. So I want to tread lightly here. Um, yeah, this is one of the main reasons why churches, you know, worship in separate houses is because of this this issue. Um, and I think there's some level of appropriateness to that, right? Like if you decide that, hey, we're gonna we're gonna baptize by immersion, you know, plunging a person under the water because we think that's what the Bible teaches. And you know, another church says, well, we actually think that it's sprinkling. It's gonna be hard to practice baptism together, and so. I'm not saying that division is a good thing. I think there's a day coming when those divides go away. Um, But to be able to practice our faith, I think with a clear conscience, I think it's important to go, hey, we're not saying that you guys don't get the gospel necessarily. Um, But we are saying that we view the Bible differently on this. And we want to be able to practice the way that we think Scripture teaches. You You guys need to feel the freedom to do that as well. And so, yeah, it's probably going to be hard for us to to do that under the same roof. Um, you know, the, the harder part is if you're only looking at the mode of baptism, meaning dunking versus sprinkling, um, you're not getting the full picture because there are many different traditions that practice infant baptism by sprinkling, and the theology there is vastly different. Right. And so, you know, you have Roman Catholics who are, um, their traditional teaching is saying that your baptism washes away original sin. So you're born into the world a sinner. By your baptism, that original sin is removed. And that then initiates a process of grace being administered to the individual via the church in the sacraments. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some pretty big problems with that sort of an idea mm-hmm. that the church, cause that's where you start to get into like an ex opera operato just by the act itself, that it's salvific or that something is happening just by doing it mm-hmm. um, versus, you know, a tradition that's going, we baptize infants because we see continuity between the old covenant people of God and circumcision and the new covenant people of God and baptism. And so they're trying to draw continuity 
between those two things. There's no longer a blood sign because Christ has died once for all. We're now under a water sign, um, which corresponds with the Holy Spirit, um, corresponds with with cleansing. Um, but what they're doing there is they're going, the old covenant people of God was believers and their children. And so the mark was put on the children mm. because the covenant people included children. And they carry that into the New Testament and go, the mark belongs on children because they're part of the covenant community. As as Baptists, we actually would distinguish there and go, there's a there's a change. There's a shift where we're now defining the 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 new covenant people of God as believers. You know, and there's there's reason for that. Like Jeremiah 31. No longer will it be said each to his neighbor, know the Lord, for they shall all know him from the least of them to the greatest. Jeremiah seems to be defining the new covenant as being marked by everyone in the community knows knows the Lord, Mm. right? And so the reason why we don't put the mark on children is because we don't know if they know the Lord yet. So we wait until they make a confession of faith, um, which is why we're, quote unquote, credo Baptist by confession. Mm. Um. So we distinguish with, you know, those who practice infant baptism, but, but a, a covenant view of, of baptism is vastly different than a Roman Catholic view of baptism, mm. you know. So um, not every distinguishing difference is equal, mm. right? And so we want to be nuanced and thoughtful in how we kind of think through it. Mm. Um, so I don't know if that fully answers your question, but I said a lot there. Um, so if someone was raised like in one of those traditions, be it like the Catholic where it's more um, the act itself, right? Or wh- whether it's more of a covenantal like Presbyterian or something like that. Um, I, I'm just going to answer the question and it might be kind of a crude way to ask it, but it's how it comes to mind. Uh, does it work? <laughs> Did it work if I was baptized in it as an infant? Right. And I know that might not be even the right way that we would think of it as a church, but um, how, how should someone who is baptized as an infant think about um, that if they're attending a church where we don't practice that? Like, sure, yeah, it's a great question. We actually, we actually run into this quite a bit in our membership process because mm-hmm. we have people who come to our church, um, go to our Discover class, want to join the church and they're going, I was baptized as an infant. What do I do? Um, I think my baptism's legitimate. Oftentimes we get that. We, so what's the church's position there? We actually take a case by case position, um, which is pretty nuanced. Some Baptist churches would just say hard and fast. no, the only legitimate baptism is by immersion as a believer, and therefore, if you want to join our church, you have to be baptized, right? Um, we take it case by case. If someone's coming out of a tradition, so basically, we want to hear their theology of baptism. Can you articulate to us what you believe baptism is and what it does? Um, and if there's a lack of clear understanding, that gives us an opportunity to kind of press in and disciple um, disciple them in what we think the scriptures teach there um, and what our church holds to and practices. If, if, if their view is, you know, either baptism saves or it washes away original sin, 
we're going to throw up some red flags there and say, hey, we, we want to bring you into a fuller understanding. And we're probably going to guide and counsel them towards being baptized um, once we feel like there's a clear understanding of the gospel. Um, if they're coming from a tradition where they're going, no, I don't believe baptism saves. I believe it's a, it's a sign and seal. It's a symbol of union with Jesus. Um, maybe they're coming from like a covenant understanding. We want to make sure that it's clear. We practice believers baptism and we do that by immersion so that they know, Hey, this is how our church is going to teach and practice. Um, on a case by case basis, we have made exceptions for membership. Um, with with the expectation that they'll guard the unity of of the body, um, so that they won't create division and actively teach against the church, mm. um, and knowing that we don't know that they have what we think is, and I want to say this with humility, um, the the fullest understanding or the or the or a right understanding of of baptism, um, but also knowing that there are brothers and sisters that come from those traditions that we quote from our pulpit. And we would never want to exclude such a person from the Lord's table or from or from fellowship. And mm-hmm. so we hold to a kind of a modified open position on membership when it comes to baptism. Um, and some people don't like that. Um, some people probably think we're too strict. Some people probably think we're not strict enough. Mm-hmm. But um, we think there's, there's enough of a theological difference that we're trying to walk that out on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. What would... Uh, that process and looking like if someone's react, like you gave a kind of a couple examples of what someone's theology might be of their baptism. What if their response is like, um, more like, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. Um, I'm committed to following Jesus. I am on board with generally with, um, city life theology. And, um, I'm not going to teach against city life theology. I was baptized as a kid and like my parents were believers and that was really meaningful for them. I think it was meaningful for me. They raised me following Jesus. I don't, I don't have any strong opinion about how what baptism is, but that's just, yep. that's just my experience. And it would, it'd feel kind of weird and maybe offensive to my parents. If I, if I got baptized again, what would that be saying to them? You know, what if someone's sure. responses, maybe less a theological one, but just a life circumstances one. Yep. Great question. Well, I mean, I think I would say two things. One, um, you know, none of us have, you know, none of us are completely sanctified at our baptism. And so we, we have tons of room to grow in, in our understanding of, of the Christian faith. Um, I don't think we have to have it all figured out before we go into the water. Um, so that's that's one thing. Um, the, only, the only caveat I give is, you know, we, we would encourage you to do what you feel like the Holy Spirit's impressing upon your heart as you read the Word of God. Um, and so I think we have to put ourselves under the authority of Scripture and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so if you feel like God's telling you that you need to be baptized because your baptism, that was illegitimate, I would counsel you to do that. I would never counsel someone to, you know, uh, reject the conviction of the Holy Spirit um, or suppress that. Um, and Jesus even says, like, there are times where we have to, quote, unquote, hate father and mother for his namesake. Mm-hmm. So there are those moments where it's like, I mean, Melanie, my wife, raising the United Methodist Church, baptized as an infant, came to faith as a freshman in college, came to the conviction that 
she wanted to be baptized because she wanted to be baptized as a believer. Her parents didn't understand that at first. Um, now I th- they still showed up and they supported her in her decision to be baptized. And I mean, they have a wonderful relationship and ultimately have been incredibly supportive. I think at the time it was confusing for them because they, they were basically going, Melanie, you've been baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, but for her, it was a, it was a, it was a conviction. She's like, I have to do this. I, I feel like this is right and biblical and what the Lord wants me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I think there are those moments, but I also think, um, you know, there are many who would go, the timing isn't the most important thing. And and those tend to be those who baptize as infants. They're going, we put the mark on you. We're going to raise you up in the faith because in some sense you're a participant in this covenant community. Um, we're going to catechize you. We're going to raise you up in the faith um, until you make a conscious decision to believe in Jesus, but you've been marked, you've been marked since you were a child. Mm. Um, and, th- and that's, that's one understanding of baptism. Yeah. Um, and, and we're just a little bit different from that. We're going, you, I mean, cause we dedicate children to the Lord mm. in our church. We're going, we're covenanting with parents to raise this child up to know and love Jesus. There's benefits that come to being in a Christian home. We want them to know the Lord, and when they make that confession, then we'll put the mark on them. So, mm-hmm. um, some some go, man, the timing's less important. Yeah, um, and others go, no, the timing's important. And really, it's what you're wrestling with. There is a way of putting the whole Bible together, and a way of interpretation. Um, and so we, you know, we differ a little bit, but I think there are some who practice infant baptism who are really trying to be faithful to the scriptures, have a high view of the word of God. Mm. Um, and we just see it differently there. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, now that we've confused everyone, um, I'll just say this in closing, uh, man, the more that I've pressed in kind of going back to your story of baptism, Zach, um, I do think that there's there's an opposite danger of where we take baptism too lightly. Um, and clearly, Jesus tells us to make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It seems to be this front door into the life of discipleship and into the life of the church. And it's a it's an important thing. And... Um, you know, kind of for you being able to, to go back to that moment and to go, man, something real and mysterious happened here. Um, I've been joined to Jesus and he is with me and in me and I'm with him and we're in relationship. I think baptism is a gift given to us. Mm. Um, and so we get lost in these debates sometimes when I think what we need to hear is, man, your baptism is a gift. Mm. It is the symbol of being united with Christ in his, his life, death, and resurrection. And we should hold on to that and cherish that. Yeah. Yeah. If 
you want to find out more about City Life Church, or if you have any questions about the kind of things we talked about today, you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card, and we'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. Thanks for listening.